Boat Podcast. This is episode 315 coming to you uh, from the end of January. Well, almost. Almost. We have one next more show. week. One more show in January. <laughs> next week will be the finale of January. Yeah. But moving right along in the new year, episode 315. Uh, yeah, if you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast hey. coming to your ears and your eyes on YouTube. Um, talking about movies, television, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that yeah. order. My name's Mike. His name's Matt. Hey, I'm Matt. His name is Mike. I almost messed that up. Um, yeah, welcome. Um, we're going to get this show started for you. Lots of fun news. Tons of bits and thoughts for you today. Oh, lots of thoughts. That's lots uh, of thoughts. some surprise dropping stuff as well. Um, lots of news, too. This is a big news week. Yeah, big news week, especially in video games. We'll get there, but... But first, we start with music, and we start with the Billboard. We start the Billboard with the Hot 100, Mm -hmm. Um, and our number one song, sorry, uh, Bruno, but it's Adele, (laughs) Easy On Me. Still. Still, you're still in the top there. Uh, It jumped from number two to number one. I foresee some records coming for Adele here, because this is not looking like it's going to be dethroned anytime soon. Yes, but I also foresee Adele not performing soon. Well, we'll get there. And we'll get there soon. We'll get there. Uh, at two, we have Stay by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Just staying up there <laughs> in the top five. At three, we have Heat Wave by Glass Animals. Uh, coming in at number four, we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> um, moving up a spot this week. And moving up a spot, Shivers. Well, down a spot. Well, down a spot. They swapped. They swapped. But uh, at number five, Shivers by Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Uh, well, since we're talking about Bruno, I guess now it's time to bring this up. Yeah. We got an email! We got an email? We got an email. Are you kidding me? Someone, um, reached out to us via email to, to talk about Bruno, actually. <laughs> How dare they? They know they're not supposed to. Oh, I know that, but I think now's the perfect time to, uh, respond to this. <laughs> this is amazing. I didn't know we had a listener. Oh, wait a minute. I recognize the name. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, no, please, please, yes. uh, uh, Absolutely. Email in, just real quick. uh, Email in if you have any questions, comments, anything about you want to say about the show. Yep. So, um, this listener writes into us, good afternoon, Matt and Mike. I have uh, two T's in my name, by the way, just a PSA. Long time listener, (laughs) first time writer. Wanted to Uh let you both know that today, while I was listening to your music segment on the Pi episode, episode 314... (laughs) Uh, that a certain host's little sister came in yes. singing, We don't talk about Bruno, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And now it's stuck in my head. Any advice? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, my advice, well, with getting songs stuck in my head in general, is to listen to the song. Seems counterintuitive when you think about it, but most of the time it works for me, it just disappears. So... I just say listen to uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno at least 15 more times, and then it'll come out of your head. It'll just, like, fly away on little wings, and you won't think about it again until the next morning where it'll be in your head even worse. That's my advice. See, uh, I'd go the Fight Club rule. What's the Fight Club rule? Where you don't talk about Bruno. So you don't talk about You Don't Talk... You Don't Talk About We Don't Talk About Bruno? Yes, because anytime someone brings it up, you just say, hey... We don't talk about that. Well, number one, you don't talk about Bruno. Oh, no. And rule number two, 
You don't talk about Bruno. And we'll get to Fight Club again <laughs> later today, actually. Anyways, well, I'm glad that you have uh, the sounds of wonderful uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda-produced music in your household. To be fair, it could be worse. <laughs> it could be very, very much worse. It could be, um, I don't know, it's worse. Fancy-like. Oh, yeah, yeah. You could have somebody repeating fancy-like apple peas a hundred times a day. You don't want that. Thank you for emailing, uh, listener. And uh, we look forward to hearing more. Yeah, uh, if you want to hear your yes. questions and comments on our podcast, email us at mediabookpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, thank you, thank you. So, since we're done talking about Bruno, <laughs> let's move on to the Billboard 200, your albums chart. All right. And we start with DS Forever yes. by Gunna. So, this was apparently a tight race for number one this week. We knew that The weekend would be challenged by the Gunna record. Mm -hmm. We did not know that Gunna would just barely outgun him uh, for number one this week. So The weekend Pun intended. Barely not a number one record uh, this first week. It gotta has, it's gotta have him, like, turn up inside. That being said, he knew that Gunna was releasing that week as well. It was a risk he was going to take regardless. Gunna, of course, um, had a few features that were on number one singles last year. He's hotter than ever. By the way, I listened to this thing. I didn't want to talk about it because I don't really have, like, an expert opinion on it. Okay. It's fine, but it sounds kind of like that 21 Savage record for last, from last year. They're very okay. similar rappers. But that record was also on the Billboard for a long time. Yeah, so if you like that kind of, kind of melodic rap then i guess you might like this but yeah i don't have anything to say about it other other than that but yes gonna okay. number one record gonna number one record that means coming in at number two is dawn fm by the weekend yeah like i said disappointing that he didn't get his number one here for a very deserved number one record should have been uh at three Encanto mm -hmm. by various artists uh <laughs> my favorite band yes your favorite band number four 30 by adele still up there in the top five yes but also still up there in the top five, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Oh, I thought for a second that it was off this week, but it was just just hanging in there at number five. Hanging in there. Well, Maybe next next week. If you didn't like any of those albums, okay. we have new releases. All right, what am I listening to this week? I don't know what you're listening to this week, but here are the new releases. All right. We have Prey 4. Mm. Slash 4? Slash 4, Prey IV. It's Pray For by Alice Glass. Okay. Extreme Witchcraft by <laughs> Eels. The Zealot Gene by Jethro Tull. Yes, that Jethro Tull. And lastly, We <laughs> by Urge Overkill. I'm not, I just caveat on this one. I'm not sure if it is a We or maybe it was O U L. It was really unclear on the Metacritic's website. So no, it's always uh, under. Lowercase, unless it's all caps. So maybe it was O U L then? Maybe it's OL? Well, no, because if it's. It would be capital L if it was OL. I don't know. If it's I, it's we. Are you sure it's we? Well, okay. You email us back if you're an Urge Overkill fan. Right, it's out not there. we like Nintendo's we. No, it's we as in the French we. As in yes. On we. As in yes? Yes. Yes. On we. And <laughs> on we go. Yes. Haha, <laughs> good. Good one. To the music. And we uh, don't have, there's so much music news so to much. get through this past week. Um, from concerts to Grammys, regardless from all the other in some music bits. We got the bits for ya. So we start with a re 
Um, the Grammy Awards. One, yes. not happening in L.A. That date has been moved. But we do have a new date. And a new venue! Yes, so for the first time in the history of the Grammy Awards, they will not be taking place in Los Angeles. No. Instead, they're going like the NHL All-Star Game <laughs> and the NFL Pro Bowl <laughs> and taking their all that talent to Las Vegas. Turns out in 2022, if you want to do your event somewhere, you're doing it in Vegas because, yes... April 3rd is the new date for the Grammys, and they will be taking place in Las Vegas. Um, so, yeah, uh, the CBS uh, deal will still take will t- take place. It will still be televised. Nothing else will change. But the venue and the date are now solidified, at least for now. Yes, but this also does mean that they can coordinate with the different concert halls yes. and have the diff- and different people perform at the different concert halls. Mm-hmm. Um, for the event and have it televised. And so, not have everyone rotating on one stage. Right, right. Yeah. If they so choose so to do that. I don't know. I'm not promoting this. It's <laughs> just my thoughts on what they could do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll see when that happens. Uh, but it uh, makes sense. It's a it's a fair, like, it's a sensible move for them to make. Um, sure. I guess. It's kind of how I feel about it. Like, sure. Yeah. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Um, our second story... Following a recent trend of artists selling yes. their catalogs, country megastar Kenny Chesney has decided to sell his entire catalog to Hypnosis Song Management. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, this isn't, like you said, it follows in the footsteps of recent moves we've seen uh, by the David Bowie estate and by Bruce Springsteen. Um Kenny Chesney, a little younger than those artists. That said, yeah. has quite a deep catalog. Um, he only comes out with hits. Right. Kenny Chesney has nothing but hits. Yeah. He can put on a concert for three hours and still not go through all his hits. So it makes sense that he In maybe fact, saw... I'm going to said concert. <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's funny how this is happening in the music, in music news every week, at the same time as purchases are happening in the video game industry every yep. week. They're for the same reason, which is why, is because... Things are worth more than ever right now. So if you're going to sell, this is the time to sell. It's the seller's, seller's market right now. Except for NFTs. So yeah, it makes sense uh, for Kenny Chesney to do something like this at this era of his career. He's got a little bit at a turning point right now. He's trying to maybe maybe going to tip even more to the nostalgia act um probably into the 2020s here so it makes sense uh that he's this is the time to sell and make some money uh i don't have see how much he sold it for though no it doesn't uh, didn't say didn't say undisclosed some but also kenny's not done making music i, I mean i assume he's not done he's definitely not done touring because i expect to see him in concert in like six months <laughs> we'll see if that happens i mean yeah we'll see if that even happens yeah uh, well, because that was a concert that was moved. But hey, enough about my life. Let's get back to music. Because <laughs> uh, um, uh, with addition to Adele, who stated she was having a Las Vegas residency, uh-huh. there's a new residency announced by none other than current smooth listening band to your ears, yes. Silk Sonic. Yes. Which will have their Vegas res- residency starting next month. This... Headline made me laugh a little because I feel like they're skipping like 10 years. Yes. Like most acts, they do normal tours. They have like several records. They have an established name. One, and then maybe. They have, they have like six multi-platinum right. Grammy Awards. And then or maybe on a whim, they're like, you know what would be good? 
a residency in Las Vegas, really like icing on the cake on our career. No, Silk Sonic, because they are two already over a decade veterans of music, mm-hmm. we're like, you know what? We could just do that now. There's a, um, let's say, an Adele-shaped hole right now that needs to be filled. We'll get there. Um, and so why not? Why not just start next month and just do this, do this now? And also, like you said, when you talked about their record uh, that came out, uh, fairly recently, they are very steeped in old sounds. They're very 70s influenced, uh, and so it kind of makes sense to like cater to a little bit of an older, richer audience, because mm-hmm. they already sound like that. Yep, uh, as I uh, said when I reviewed their um, album, mm-hmm. 70s funky beats. Oh, yeah. Oh, so It's good. what they made this thing to be. It yeah. was the intention the whole time. And that's a lot of what Bruno Mars is... <laughs> Yes. We don't talk about him. No, Bruno Mars. Oh, okay. We do talk about him. Yes. Mr. Mars himself. Mr. Mars. Uh, that's all his sound is. So he's catering to the right kind of people. Yeah. Also, these residencies, they're not living in Vegas during them. No, they just no. come in for <laughs> the dates they're performing. Yeah. And then they can leave. They're not beholden to Vegas like uh, Britney Spears was. Right, right, right. I mean, they're not under a conservatorship. <laughs> right, that too. <laughs> At least that I know of. Um, anyway. Uh, yes, uh, Bruno Mars has yeah. a conservatorship with Venus and Uranus. <laughs> uh, you didn't even go for the easy Uranus joke. That's what. That's why I said Uranus. What a waste! What a waste! Let's move on. To yes. Other bits. Yes. Speaking of Vegas, and speaking of that Adele-sized hole. Yes. Cheerful Adele has postponed Las Vegas residencies due to yes. COVID. Related delays. Yeah. Mainly being half her staff got COVID. Yeah, she released a, a message to her fans uh, apologizing for the delay. Um, and yeah, it makes sense. I get why she would have to make the move that she did to make the choice that she did. It's tough times right now. And if you don't have the clientele to actually make the show happen, you shouldn't have the show go on. It makes sense. Um, but like I said, this has led to um, other artists being able to plan uh, for their own residencies. And fill in those gaps. Um, so it's not the end of the world. You will be able to see Adele in Las Vegas someday. But uh, check your tickets, of course. See what the refund policy is. See if you can move those back. You know, the usual showbiz uh, rules. But uh, yeah, our, uh, of course, we go out... Uh, like, we definitely uh, hope that uh, the team members of Adele's team that have contracted COVID uh, get better and that Adele gets to be on stage soon. Yeah, and... Since we're in Vegas, let's yes. just stick in here and yes, let's do this. <laughs> talk about um, the concert that was here. It was announced, and like a week later, like literally within a week, you could uh, go and get tickets, yeah. or maybe you could get tickets. Who knows? So, if you are around our age, say between like twenty eight and thirty three, you probably have uh, nostalgia for uh, punk slash emo bands like. My Chemical Romance, like Paramore, like A Day to Remember, like Bring Me to the Horizon, AFI, Act Like Trio, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can keep going leave. forever. Yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, guess what? Nostalgia has taken a turn, and they're catering to you, baby, because When We Were Young Festival was announced uh, last yes, week. That is, that is definitely a killer's 
weird yes. reference. Except the killers, not here. Yes. Um, Except it's in Vegas, where the killers are. So yeah, they're, <laughs> but they're not there. But they're not uh, there. So yes, it, it was originally announced to happen one night in Vegas. Yes, one day, meaning that all of these bands, which are a lot of bands, were I guess going to play like two songs total. Each. They were going to come on stage, <laughs> play their hits, yeah, and then go. And then go. Yeah, and uh, they recently announced that they're going to extend it to a second day of the same lineup. So uh, tickets are available. Uh, the shows happen in October. Uh, if you scroll down, I got specific dates for you. October 22nd and 23rd. Um, so yeah, um, all sorts of bands. Uh, some mostly uh, nostalgia acts, as kind of implied. But uh, also some uh, relatively new acts like Car Seat Headdress and Wolf Alice. Uh, kind of sprinkled among the the older older acts here, um, so yeah. Um, well, there's a caveat here. Yes, that we have to talk about right, and that is that some of these bands didn't even realize they were going to be performing when this was announced. <laughs> it's happened so lot, apparently. Yes. Um, also, this is being put on by Live Nation. Mm. Current, current that is the same Live Nation who did Astro World. Mm-hmm. Um, also these tickets were kind of put on the spur of the moment. Yeah. Within, like, like I said, within a week it was announced and you can buy the pre-sale tickets. I saw a lot of people. And then the day they yeah. went on pre-sale, they announced a second yeah. day. I saw a lot of people, uh, rave, waving a couple of red flags about this thing. Mm-hmm. One, about the Astro World comparison and basically saying this might be a disaster if they do not have adequate security. As, uh, some people have pointed out also the venue itself mm-hmm. of where they say it's going to be taking place and how much it can actually hold. And the second thing is I saw a lot of people saying getting Firefest vibes from yes. this. <laughs> like with just like it's impromptu announcement ticket sales and just kind of chaotic feel to it. So, uh, yeah, maybe if you're thinking about going to this, uh, maybe think about it a little bit yeah, before it, you pull the trigger. It seems like this, I mean, one, pre-sale tickets were already happening. That was yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think they sold out. But I, I bet they did. How could they not? Like, I feel yeah, like... There, there's like a, a wait list that you, that you can join Like, for no matter who you are in the last, like, if you were born within five years of our generation, there's at least one band that you love on this poster. There has to be. Like, odds are, there's at least one. I mean, I could point to one right now. Right. The All-American Rejects. Yeah. I could point at Paramore. I could point to 303. Right. Oh, oh, Christy loves 303. Oh, I know. And then people (laughs) with, like, Amber Lynn and Jimmy World. Yeah, Jimmy World. Yeah. Like, Avril Lavigne. She's having a little comeback right now. Who wouldn't want to go? Anyways, so they're really marketing this based on how they know how strong the nostalgia is for these bands. Just... Buyer beware is what we'll say. Just be very, very careful. Also, who knows where we're going to be in October, uh, COVID-wise. So Right. It's also still in Vegas, too. Right. Uh, apparently, so, someone had called up the hotels asking about booking rooms. And yeah, even like, the hotels they listed what? Were, were unsure <laughs> of what was happening. Yeah, I don't blame them. It's all coming up at everybody all of a sudden. So we'll keep an eye on this. Yeah. And we'll give you the story so far. Sorry, I had to. It was right there in front of me. I couldn't. I could not say it. I'm oh, sorry. I thought you were going to give us our <laughs> dashboard confessional. <laughs> Are they on here? <laughs> oh yeah, they're right there. Okay. Let's show you. All right, let's let's move on to our, the rest of our bits today. Yes, the main bits today. Uh, Last one, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. Um, takes us across um, the U.S. to a different kind of festival. Yes. 
uh, one that's happening in Boston with Metallica, The Strokes, and Foo Grammy uh, <laughs> and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right. inductees. Yes, Foo Fighters uh-huh. um, to headline Boston Calling. <laughs> I was gonna make that joke if you didn't. Um, you know I was gonna make that joke. <laughs> yes, uh, Boston Calling Twenty Two Festival. <laughs> It's a different song, but okay. (laughs) Same same four chords. Yeah, we're we're really feeling it this morning. It's four chord song. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyways, um, they're doing. uh, They will be uh, headlining that festival. But one band that was originally announced will not be. No, Rage Against the Machine, originally announced, will not be performing. Something which leads to a a little note here. Something must be going on with Rage Against the Machine because also notable, they pulled out of Coachella as well. So either COVID-related precautions or something behind the scenes with that band, uh, they're really uh, they're deciding to not do dates in 2022. Well, see, I don't think people are getting the rage (laughs) that they want against the machine. (laughs) <laughs> so mean, they're withholding their would, music I guess you'd think with spending so much time with machines over the last couple years that you would want to rage against them that's my opinion that this would be time yeah but if people at this point in their career are still not <laughs> raging against said machine does it even matter <laughs> are they like doing this for nothing if people are just not listening to the message of the machine they're trying to rage against? I don't know. Yeah, maybe they're just frustrated with people misinterpreting their songs on TikTok. I don't know. Uh... <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, we're not done with music because there are even still more bits. A lot of bits. A lot of bits. A lot of bits, including Sia revealing yes. that she was at once suicidal and actually went to rehab. Yes. After backlash to controversial music film. All right, so there's a bit to unpack here. So if you recall, a couple years ago, uh, Sia released a film named Music. Mm-hmm. It was controversial at the time of release because, and in the lead-up to release because of its um, star who was first supposed to be portraying an autistic girl. Uh, the autistic community uh, criticized the performance and the whole concept of the film that she was kind of saved in kind of a a uh, like by another like a, a like a person without autism and there was a lot of baggage to go with the story that Sia was telling. Well, Sia took this pretty personally, and a story got released this week about how she was feeling and with the critical and fan reception to the film. Uh, and yeah, as as the headline says here, uh, she was in a really bad place. The weirdest part about this article that I did not include in this headline is that apparently of all people she found um, that she confided in was Kathy Griffin. Apparently they became close. Yes, that Kathy Griffin. They apparently became very close friends after this because, uh, if you recall, this is digging up even further back in history here. Around 2016, around the time of the Trump election, Mm -hmm. Kathy Griffin was kind of in hot water for not really great reasons, because of stuff that she did in a video criticizing Donald Trump. Um, and yeah, and so I guess they found uh, solace with each other about their shared stories of criticism. Uh, of course, can the issues be compared? Eh, not really. Uh, but, but you know what? People, you know, befriend people for all sorts of weird and wild reasons. So, um, yeah, Sia's... <laughs> I guess so. Um, at least trauma didn't bring us together. 
Well, uh, <laughs> so, no, no, it was drama. It was drama, not drama. Or maybe it was bad. I just remember there being a lot of drama. There <laughs> <laughs> oh, you go. Um, no, it was, it was movies. Anyway, drama movies. College. So yeah, um, yeah. So Sia still kind of, I guess, in the weird like place. Uh, but that movie still kind of messed up. So I don't know how I feel about the story. It's like, it's complicated. But I hope Sia gets to be in a better place very soon because I hope Sia, the person, learns from this uh, the experience and feels better about herself, about her mm-hmm. career, about her life, uh, separate from her career. Like, I feel like you can, like, like, this is one of those instances where you can want Sia, the person, to feel better about herself uh, separate from making mistakes with her career. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, not the only person. Um, mm-hmm. let, let's make let's look at some lighter news here, then. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, Columbia Records yeah. uh, has become the first label in history with a 20-week run mm-hmm. at number one atop the top 40 radio. Yes, can you name which songs that have been recent number ones that were Columbia Records uh, uh, properties? Can I start with Adele? You can. Adele is a Columbia uh, uh, Records uh, signee. Uh, Easy On Me, of course, is the number one that's carried a lot of these weeks. Uh, then I'm going to go with Mariah Carey. No. 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 But that's Christmas. That, that's not that's Christmas, them. Christmas, though. It's not them. There's two others. Ooh. Who, who's, the, who's the Christmas one on top then? It's not the Christmas. The Christmas is not included here. Oh, Christmas is not included in top 40? Yeah. Boo. <laughs> um, Ed Sheeran. He's usually on top there. Yes, I believe uh, Ed Sheeran's Bad Habits is the, one of them. And then I'm going to go with uh, Media Boat favorite, Olivia Rodrigo. No. No. no uh, the one you're missing is uh, Justin Bieber and the Kid Leroy. Oh. Uh, Stay, Stay is a Columbia Records joint. Oh. Okay. So yeah, they're doing pretty well in, uh, uh, lately, uh, having a lot a lot of number ones in a row. Of course, yeah, skipping those Christmas weeks. Yes. Um, but but yeah, not bad. So that's their first time uh, that the 20-week run, number one, in Top 40 Radio. This is not one, Hot 100, which is why you're getting... That's, that's why I'm my confusion. Yes, uh, in Top 40 format. Yes. So yeah, uh, congratulations to Columbia. They've just had really good singles lately. Is Kanye on their list? No. Oh, okay. Well, Kanye's in the news, though. <laughs> yes. Uh, as Kanye West demands the final cut over Gene Yus, mm-hmm. the doc, uh, yes. documentary, yes. before its Netflix release, uh, quote, Open the edit room immediately. In classic Kanye fashion, he does not understand what an unbiased uh, documentary is, and he wants Final Cut uh, on this thing that is literally going to premiere in a day at a festival, Uh, and I don't think he's going to get what he wants. (laughs) It's a documentary about Kanye West. Showing the unabashed version of Kanye West. And yet he, Kanye Kanye West, West, wants to change the narrative. Or at least review it before people see it. This is just a classic Kanye in a lot of ways. This is the person that he's always been. uh, Whereas just like he doesn't want, like he just wants complete control over everything that has his name on it. I get it to a certain extent, but dude, you have to know when to not, like to just let something happen. Like... Like Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. Uh, anyway, but yeah. Um, this documentary seems like it could potentially be interesting, at least. It goes through his entire career, um, more or less. Um, 
And there's a lot to say about that man. He's had quite a life. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yelling at little girls on stage. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some some not so bright spots among some bright spots. Um, Here and complicated there, yeah. history, you could say. Yep, the ups and the downs. Oh the yeah. Ups and down waveforms. So yeah, I don't think he's going to actually get a cut here. I think that he's just going to have to deal with it. This thing is coming out whether he says it, or, it says it will or not. Um, it'll just be the uh, the director's cut version. <laughs> yes. Later. later, yeah, they'll let him do a director's the, the, cut. The yay version. <laughs> yay version. Yay cut. <laughs> yay cut. Yay cut. Yay. All right. Uh, speaking of the opposite side of that coin, <laughs> Taylor Swift on our final yes. music bit story. Um, will be the uh, the 2022 ambassador for Record Store Day. It makes sense. Uh, so Record Store Day, if you're not familiar, has been an annual tradition going back at least 10 to 15 years. And we've been covering it for at least six years. Uh, traditionally, uh, the highlight of it is that certain artists will release special limited run um, songs or records um, on Record Store Day to be distributed specifically in your local record store. Um, probably less so this year, as we've mentioned on the show, uh, vinyl, uh, production has been, uh, harmed by the supply chain issues and by big artists dominating the supply chain, yep, uh, it, including Edge, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, and Adele. Adele, mostly Adele. Uh, but yeah. And so, uh, I guess weirdly enough, uh, the organization who runs it has chosen one of the culprits for this problem to represent them. So the idea here is that Taylor can reach out and do ambassador work to basically let people who don't know about their local um, record shops and try to promote indie record stores. Right, and this is in addition to what she did last year, which yeah. was help several record stores in uh, literally, yes, with financial with financial help. help. I mean, I'm I'm of two minds about this because yeah, like I feel like it's the wrong person. <laughs> number one, but she does have an incredible reach, and she t- talks to a younger audience that may not know that if they just Google record store, they might have a mom and pop shop in their city. You don't know until you look, and a lot of kids don't know. So um, uh, yeah, I'm of two minds about this. I think it's great to, for people to know about record stores, especially in a place where they're hurting more than ever. But the supply chain issues are still real. And that is a problem that needs to be solved for record stores to continue to exist. Yeah, but this is a big name getting people yeah. to look it up. Yeah. Like, if you're going to get a, a record album from an artist, Taylor Swift is yeah. a good kind of generational <laughs> right. gap there. The be- And the best place to buy records is your local shop. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Oof, that's enough about me. That was a lot of it. I have a lot of bits. Thirty minutes of bits. Thirty minutes of just music bits. All right, so I was to an album though. Yeah, yeah, you uh, went a little thought for you. Not a whole lot coming out this week, but you did listen to one thing. Yes. Um, so even though it's no longer on the top five, but <laughs> we've been talking about it. Yeah. Uh, Fancy like by Walker Hayes, <laughs> which you have titled in the document here, "Country Stuff: The Album." Because that is what it is called. <laughs> Country Stuff, the album that's by really Walker funny. Hayes. I thought that was a joke you were making, but okay. No, that's what the album is called. It's called Country Stuff, the album. But this is the album that has the single Fancy Light, yes. which people have heard in the Applebee's commercial. So, a little bit of backstory here. Walker Hayes okay. yeah. has been around the music scene for the past 10 years. That's a country-ass name, by the way. Walker Hayes. Yes. Uh, but this is kind of standard, though. People in Nashville are known as... A tenured town. 
Yeah. Where <laughs> it takes 10 years yes. for you to write songs for other artists and then eventually get your shot right. to put a song on the, on the radio. Yeah. Walker Hayes' song just happens to be the, the Applebee song. Fancy like. <laughs> It's the thing that broke through. Yes. Uh, because just how catchy that chorus is. Yes. So he's had other albums before this. Like he signed a record deal in like 2010, 10 years mm-hmm. prior. I put out an album in 2013, but none of it hit. Right. It, so until Fancy Link. But during that time, he's actually wrote songs for other artists, for like Wayne yeah. Shelton, Luke Bryan. Uh, one of the songs is uh, Minimum Wage uh, by uh, uh, Blake Shelton, currently on, on the. On the country radio, okay, written by Walker Hayes, and you can kind of and you can hear that in the way that that uh, song sounds with Fancy Like, mm-hmm. also with a lot of other songs on this album. This is the new generation of country. This is that R and B kind of fast paced country song where we're going to throw a lot of brands in this song, <laughs> and hopefully they'll hit and like they'll yeah. give us stuff. <laughs> It's like the podcast approach. It is. No, it's the uh, catchphrase approach. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it good? Um, <laughs> it's better than his other stuff. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, yeah. like, I listened to this album. Then I saw he had a previous album, so I listened to it. I was like, uh-huh. okay, yeah. I can see your 10-year journey here. He is a lane that yes. he stays in. Uh, he is a... He's a lane. <laughs> yes, he's Elaine. Elaine, no. So, uh... Is anything as catchy as Fancy Like on this record? Uh, no, but there is one song that stood out to me. Okay. It's a country version of Back to the Future. What? Because it's called DeLorean. Okay. Does he have a DeLorean in the song? No, but he talks about wanting to be in a DeLorean, go back in time. Ah, okay, got it. And, like, do it all over again. That's pretty funny. Yes. I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) There's there's stuff like that where he references either pop culture or certain brands and puts it into his songs. Okay. Um, one of the songs uh, that I do like called AA starts off with trying to keep my daughter off the pole to keep my son out of jail. <laughs> okay. It's country stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like that. Where it's like, okay, you're either making fun of this or yeah. you know what you're doing here. You're straight catering to a specific audience. Yeah, which brings up the question. Do you think that he is a little self-aware here by making a record called Country Stuff the Album and filling it with a bunch of topics that are in country songs? You know, when you have a hit that references Applebee's... You gotta know. You gotta leave it to it. You gotta know. See, so does it wrap all the way back around where it's actually kind of good then? Like, where you're like, okay... So that's the thing, though. That yeah. the, the front half of this is that very new country vibe sure. sounding... Um, kind of R&B style. Yeah. But the back half is more like Walker Hayes, here's my personal story. Okay. This is the original journey that I was going to be on writing personal right. country songs. Yeah. Which is, which seems to be like a dividing line for a lot of country artists. And the fact that he's trying to do both is interesting because I feel like a lot of them choose I'm going to be this kind or I'm going to be this kind. Yeah. But I'm going to be Kitty Chesney or I'm going to be uh, 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 Eric, Church. Eric Church. That's very much the divide, yeah. right? Where it's like, I'm going to tell personal stories or I'm going to tell talk about partying trucks. Yeah. And he's doing both here. Uh, well, he's doing both because this is his first album mm-hmm. post a big hit. Right. So this is the one people are going to see. It's okay, trying out. But, I'm going to yeah. try, like, if you like Fancy Like, you're like, oh, this has Fancy Like. I'm right. going to listen to this album and see where it goes. Yeah. Instead of, like, doing the due diligence to his discography before it. Sure. You can put out 
like I think two full albums and then like two mixtape or three uh, middle like EPs. Like EPs. Yeah. Okay. Well, they call them eight tracks because there's eight tracks. Like... <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, this guy must know. He knows. He's on. Yeah, he's 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 aware. Okay. Okay. Well, so sounds pretty middling then. So it's yeah. like maybe if you are interested in the Applebee's song and you want to see what else he has, this yes. is maybe good for a spin. But it doesn't seem like it's gonna stick around. Yeah, maybe. But here's the um, glass shattering part about it. Oh. Walker Hayes is a 40 year old man with six kids. Oh, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Good well, for like him. you said, like that's one of the things about the country genre that's unique is that sometimes it takes a while to hit, mm-hmm. and so you can be uh, older than the typical uh, radio artist when it finally does work out for you. Yeah. But the other flip side of that is a lot of people in country music have really long careers. Especially as songwriters, yeah. And so it's not something where, oh, you turn 35 and you're out. Like sometimes, like sometimes like in pop. Mm -hmm. Um, You can actually make that pivot. Right, and because he's written for a lot of other artists, he can get them to not only, one, he's performing their songs, but Mm -hmm. they're written by him. Right. But two, in, say, this next album, he can get some of those people to appear on it. Or like say, hey, like, I'm a hit, you're a hit, let's do a yeah. collab. Get that cosign, and then hopefully both of them succeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay. All right. Well, sounds decent. It is a decent album. Okay. I didn't, I, it didn't turn me off. Sure. It's kind of bumpy. It is kind of catchy, especially for the new version that country's going to, with, like, that Jim, the Jimmy Allen kind of vibe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's Country Stuff, the album by Walker Hayes. Let's move on. Yeah, let's get into some video games. Let's get into some video games. There's some video oh, games gosh. to get into this week. So this is the big story. Before we get to yeah. the big story, we need uh-huh. to talk about upcoming games. Yeah, uh, hope you like colons. Yes, because <laughs> we have Serious Sam, colon, Siberian Mayhem for the PC. Mm-hmm. Pokemon Legends, colon, Arceus for the Switch. And Uncharted, colon, Legacy of Thieves Collection. Yes. For the PS5 and PC. So some notes. Uh, Pokemon Legends we will talk about next week. We will hopefully both uh, get a hands on some copy of that. Uh, and then Uncharted Legacy of Thieves, as the name implies, is a collection of the all of the Uncharted games to date. Except for plus, the PSP plus, one we don't talk about. Plus Lost Beatles. Legacy. So yeah, so that includes 1, 2, 3, 4, and Lost Legacy. And uh, this is the first time they are being released on the PC, all of these games. So PC and PS5 users will have access to this. Uh, remastered editions of all of those games. Yep, so get modding. I already have four, and I already have the the, 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 like, the first collection they did, yes, one, through, one three. through three. So I'm like, I don't need this, but if you've never played any of these, this is the perfect place to start, especially on PC, where they've never been available before. Yep, and if you're going to start, start on number two. Two is very good. Um, one is something, I guess, interesting to go back to maybe after you finish the other ones. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a bad game, but it's definitely something that they refined a lot into. I recommend 2 and 4 probably more than 1 and 3. 3 is interesting, but it's kind of... It felt weird at the time, even when it came out, some of the things they did with it. Well, it was such a quick turnaround on 3, too, that you saw a lot of the same stuff that they used in 2, just reskinned for 3. And I have not played Lost Legacy, but I've heard really good things about it. So check that out, especially if you like uh, The Last of Us, because it kind of takes a lot of Last of Us things into and back into the Uncharted in there. Doesn't want to date myself. <laughs> uh, Uncharted 2 was 2010. 
Oh, nine. Oh, nine? I want to say. Yeah, it was all nine. nine. Yeah, and then like won all the awards in 2020. Right, 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 right. That's because we got 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 right. everywhere. I remember loving that game a lot when yeah. that came out. That was probably my game of the year that, that year. Actually, you know what? It was probably neck and neck with Borderlands 1. I don't remember what ultimately I went with because I probably played a lot more Borderlands. Yeah, you liked Borderlands 1 a lot more than yeah. uh, you liked Borderlands 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, I still do. Uh, but yeah. But we get Tiny Tina's Mayhem. Coming soon. Coming soon. We'll talk about that soon. But clear clear everything else because there's one big thing we have to talk about. Video games this week. All right. Um, Oh, that's what. So originally I was going to make the title uh, 70 billion, 70 billion, (laughs) and just write out all the zeros. Yeah. Just to show you how much 70 billion is because that is the number that Microsoft has purchased Activision Blizzard for. Woo! This was a huge bomb drop on a weekday morning the first thing i saw woke when i woke up before work at 6 30 in the morning <laughs> so xbox parents microsoft yes has confirmed it's acquired activision blizzard in the games industry's biggest deal ever yes the acquisition which is confirmed to cost about 95 dollars per share in an all cash <laughs> making it rain there yep. Transaction valued at $68.7 billion. Dollars. Meaning that Xbox now has exclusive ownership of... Alright, how many fingers do I have here? Call yeah. of Duty, Warcraft, Overwatch, Crash Bandicoot, <laughs> Guitar Hero, uh, Spyro... Yeah. Uh, Tony Hawk's Tony Pro Hawk. Skater. Yes. Um, as well as um, studi- different studios like Infinity Ward, Raven, Raven Software, Sledgehammer Games, Toys for Bob, and Treyarch, uh, bringing you know its first Treyarch. party Treyarch. Treyarch. Yeah. <laughs> bringing its first party roster to thirty studios, yeah. along with additional publishing and esports production capabilities. Yeah, they own they owned Major League Gaming. Yep. So they get that too. And a major presence in mobile with the addition of Candy Crush Maker King. King. Yes. The deal is expected to close in Microsoft's fiscal year of 2023, meaning March. Wait, but I think their their year's in June. Uh, Something like that. Sometime in uh, 2023. So I think it's June 2023. uh, Which is subject to closing conditions and Mm -hmm. completion of regulatory review. As always. The transaction has been approved by the boards of directors of both Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. However, it's been claimed it could face opposition from the U.S. government. All right, so there's a lot of cleanup to do with the story, and because there's a lot of questions that people asked in, in kind of the wake of this. This whole week has been basically every day new things have been trickling out about the aftermath. Um, so one thing, you're probably wondering, what does this mean for... CEO that everyone wants out, Bobby Kotick. So, according to stories, Bobby Kotick will stay on until this deal completes in 2023. Then, it is implied that he will leave the company. He is not currently on the books as being the CEO beyond that date. Uh, He will remain with Activision until that happens, though. So we have at least another full year 
and change with Bobby Kotick at the helm. So, two, what does this mean for the ongoing, uh, like the, the ongoing uh, lawsuit from the state of California and the strikes that have been happening? So, that part's a little muddier. We do know that Microsoft was aware of these things because of quotes that they made in the last month about, which are funny in retrospect, about re like reimagining their relationship with Activision. I thought it was reevaluating. Reevaluating was the word. You're yes. right. Which now we know what that meant. Why yes. Phil Spencer is being weird. Um, it cost them two point three billion dollars. But in the paperwork, it's important to note that in the, the legal paperwork that was signed, people have said, like with screenshots proving it, that they have written that there are no, according to the paperwork, there is no known litigation and or strikes happening at the company, which we know is patently false. Yes, because we know that there are. So it looks like they're maybe finagling the, the language legally a little bit to make it look like they're making this clean purchase when really there's some baggage to be dealt with. They're not on strike. They're voicing frustrations. Yeah. That being said, from insiders that have knowledge about how Microsoft human relations typically works, there are a lot of people saying that they believe that they will do what's necessary to clean up Activision's act. That, if the, that Microsoft is usually very good about kind of ousting people who need to be ousted for toxic workplace like mm-hmm. environments. So it seems like there is like a hope if you trust people who are anonymous insiders here within Microsoft and Activision that there is hope that this their act will be cleaned up a little bit um, after this transaction occurs. Then the last little bit here is about exclusivity. One of the things that happened with the Bethesda purchase was Fans in the elite cried out, does this mean Fallout and Elder Scrolls are going to be Xbox exclusive? So ultimately learned, yes. yes. In that transaction, Microsoft was pretty adamant about like, yeah, Game well, pass. we can do what we want to do with it. So when they announced Starfield would be a Xbox exclusive, a lot of people were like, ah, oh, man. Not the case this time, though. Microsoft has gone out of their way this week to say they intend on multi-platform uh, titles such as Call of Duty to remain on Sony platforms going forward. So Call of Duty will not disappear from the PlayStation even after this uh, transaction happens. And um, as for other franchises like Crash Bandicoot, big question marks. Big question we don't mark. know. So what they're going to do is they're going to take a look at their books and right. see what sells multi-platform and yeah. keep those multi-platform because yeah. they want those money and dollars coming in. Yeah. Sony, though, has, uh, I saw as of yesterday, made a statement themselves basically saying, we hope that Microsoft continues to uh, acknowledge the contracts already existing about multi-platform releases for Call of Duty specifically. Yeah. Seems like that's the one game these people care about. And it makes sense. It's the one big sales juggernaut that they have. Um, so there's little other little questions that have yet to be answered as well, which is, what does Microsoft do with World of Warcraft? Perhaps do we see a world in which Game Pass Ultimate gives you access to a Warcraft subscription? Maybe we do. Does this free up some studios that have been kind of strapped to the Call of Duty farm to make original games again? Do we see original shooters from Raven, for example? Do we see Treyarch doing original games again? Do we see... Franchises like Guitar Hero and Tony Hawk being revised for new titles. Maybe. All right. I think we're kind of glossing, looking at the big picture, yes. but not looking at the money picture. <laughs> which is yes. the, make, which is the um, 
the mobile maker yes. king. This gets Microsoft in mobile way more than they've ever been before. You're right. Like as much as we like to talk about, oh, console wars, console wars, console <laughs> wars. Both people aren't one can't get their hands on consoles. <laughs> still think, uh, and two, both people play mobile games. And if you have Candy Crush, maker of King, who brings in hundreds of million dollars a day because of those microtransactions, that is the constant moneymaker. That's why they can make up this $68.7 billion over the course of a year and a half. And it works both ways, too, because consider it's not just King's already existing properties that make a lot of money for Microsoft. It's also Microsoft being able to parlay their franchises into mobile games that King can develop and make money for them. Can you imagine a Viva Pinata style mobile match game? That'd be cool, right? Get rare on rare to collaborate with King and make something like that. It'd be great. I mean, you just slap a skin over Candy Crush and just say, "Oh, we have a new Overwatch game, a new Warcraft version, a new Call of Duty version." So yeah, the other other wrinkle. I'm glad you brought up the Blizzard properties because the other wrinkle is is this also gives Blizzard an opportunity to have a little bit of brand rehab here. Mm -hmm. Blizzard, even before the Activision uh, lawsuit has already been kind of in a weird spot. We've talked about it in our podcast for the last three or four years at this point. Yep. And so maybe with the freedom and budget that Microsoft has to offer them, this can allow them to maybe put a little bit more work into their franchises like Overwatch and Diablo and make people love them again. So there's a lot to talk about here with this story. It's going to be an ongoing story, maybe the story already of 2022 uh, for video games because... There's going to be a lot of like interesting wrinkles here. Um, and as for whether or not it will even get approved, I have a feeling it will. I mean, there was some little hand-wringing at first about, is this a monopoly? But I think when you actually do the numbers, Activision doesn't make that many games anymore. They no, make, they're publishers. They're, they're like, they make, they, even then, they're not publishing very much anymore. They make Call of Duty, and that makes so much money for them, they don't really have to do a whole lot of other stuff um so it's like besides call of duty and the crash bandicoot spyro the dragon and tony hawk remasters they've had a really light last decade of video games not just that but when you compare microsoft as a game or yeah microsoft xbox as a games company compared to that of the budget of sony and that yeah. of nintendo right it's still in third place to yeah. that too. If you look, Sony is still the bigger company, no matter mm-hmm. how you slice it. So really, they're playing catch-up, not the other way around. Yes, then there's also the other argument here, and this, I swear, will be the last thing I talk about for this story, <laughs> um, is also about Sony. How does Sony react to this? A lot of people yeah. are guessing, is this when they maybe speed up the launch of their Game Pass equivalent? Do they try to maybe upsell their service? Or... And this is really wild, but bear with me. Do we live in a world where there's a possibility of Microsoft talking Sony into bringing Game Pass to PlayStation? Ooh. So a lot of people are saying this actually might be a good idea for PlayStation. Because the entire reason why Sony has been like adamant about not doing something like this is because they want people to stay in their ecosystem. Mm-hmm. If people go to their their store they will buy things from their store which means that they get a cut of that when they play fortnite on a playstation for example people will buy stuff from their the sony store to buy things skins for fortnite 
Not so if they buy skins from the Xbox version and then play on the PlayStation. They want that piece of the pie. I feel like Riot just went to lawsuits for this. Exactly. It's exactly <laughs> the same problem. Sony and Epic are in the same kind of camp here where they don't believe what Microsoft believes, that everything should be a free platform. Mm-hmm. They believe that they want their money the way they want it. So Game Pass on a PlayStation makes some sense with that argument, right? Because... Say, for example, Microsoft says, we'll give you Game Pass without the first-party stuff, so no Halo, no Forza, but we give you the third-party stuff we're already made deals for. Sony's actually in, like, Sony benefits from this because then they get the uh, microtransactions and DLC purchases. So um, how much is um, Game Pass right now? So Ultimate Subscription, which wraps up Game Pass with uh, gold, is $14.99. I believe Game Pass by itself is still $9.99. Okay, so what if they do $14.99, the extra $5, for PlayStation's access? Would you pay the extra $5? Absolutely. I would, because I own both platforms. Yes. And and it's a great deal for people who own both platforms. I think it's even a great deal in a world where Sony needs a replacement for now, and it's perfect Mm -hmm. for that. The question being, though, will Sony want something on the PlayStation interface that has the name Xbox on it? I'm not sure. They were already kind I mean, of... Xbox is okay with this because yes. they just had MLB the show right. with PlayStation on their platform. It's always gone that direction. It hasn't gone the other direction. Not of yet. course, this feels a little deja vu because three years ago we were talking about whether Nintendo was going to allow Game Pass on. There was that rumor going around yes. that Nintendo was going to announce a partnership where Game Pass was coming to the Switch. That never happened. No, but they did get the Nintendo online for right. their uh, uh, for their emulators. But yeah, so Sony has a choice to make here. Even though they're technically the ones that Microsoft are like trying to keep up with, keep up with, it's still a question whether they want to play ball because it could actually be beneficial for both parties if they do. We'll see what happens. It's honestly a big question mark right now with what Sony does. They, if they want to keep going with what they're doing, it hasn't necessarily been that unsuccessful. They've been making plenty of money by re- releasing single-player heavy $70 experiences. And if they want to continue doing that, they can continue doing that. But the more third-party games Microsoft pulls away from them really risks the longevity of their platform. So they have a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly... $70 billion <laughs> is what they paid in cash. Yes. I mean, they have more in reserves. <laughs> it is, Microsoft's close to being a trillion dollar company if it's not there already. <laughs> so yeah, uh, fear, fear, fear the soft. <laughs> now, now, meanwhile, inside the doors of Activision Blizzard. Yeah, inside, uh, so we met, we name-dropped them, Raven Software, yes. and enlisting all the companies that they also acquired. Yes. Well, a group of quality assurance testers at the Call of Duty Warzone developer, Raven Soft, are seeking to unionize with communication workers of America. The 34-strong group called the Game Workers Alliance and has officially asked parent company Activision Blizzard to recognize the union which would be the first Mm -hmm. ever at a major North American game development studio. A communication worker of America's spokesperson told Polygon 
that 78% of eligible QA workers voted to support unionization. Led by members of Raven's QA team, a number of Activision Blizzard employees have been striking since early December in protest of plans to downsize the studio's QA department. So yeah, weirdly enough, this story is linked to the events that have happened uh, to lead up to the Microsoft purchase. Uh, we had already heard, in, fa- in fact, I follow a group on uh, Twitter that has basically been kind of monitoring the situation with the QA workers. Um, and yeah, they've been on strike for a while now. And Activision has not said shit about what they've been doing. So this is an extra amplification of that idea. Basically like, well, we're going to, how about a union then? We're going to unionize and then you have to do something about it. We have, we're going to officially petition for this union. So yeah, if they succeed and if Activision recognizes it, um, then yeah, they will become the first major uh, video game uh, staff union in the in the U.S., which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. It can mean a lot for labor relations going forward in the industry. Now, the union would have to talk to Microsoft directly post this. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that this gets resolved sooner than the uh, buyout uh, gets resolved. Right. Uh, we, hear, we should hear something this year, I would assume, if they file to this early. Mm-hmm. But the real question is, is Activision, a company that is known for trying to squelch unionization, uh, lest this happen? I don't know how they're going to feel about it. But in this weird kind of no man's land area where corporate corporate buyouts are just about to occur, I don't know. Maybe they will be fine. But I, regardless, it's very exciting and very cool that it's happening. Well, wouldn't they be more fine if they were in you? Because <laughs> it's, hey, you can't fire all of us. Oh yeah, the employees. This is definitely because in their contract. This is definitely in their uh, in their best interest, which mm-hmm. is why they're doing it. Uh, Activision themselves, though, are not going to be fans of this. No, <laughs> so, uh, if, if history has taught us anything, right? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, fingers crossed, and I uh, hope uh, that the, the this uh, organization gets uh, the terms that they want. Yep. All right. Anything Meanwhile, else? Talk about this because chalk it up right now. Big story of the oh, year God. for Activision huge Blizzard story. Microsoft here. Huge story, and it only begins here. There's more coming, I am absolutely sure. I know, sure. we're going to get more news throughout the whole more year news. about all the inner workings and stuff. Oh, yeah. So you played a video game. Oh, yes, I did play a video game. I played a surprise drop video game. Okay. Um, no one knew this was going to be released. It was no. from uh, Namco Bandai. Just said, here. Like, we had, like it was in development. People knew it was coming, but they didn't have a release date. And all of a sudden, boom, got boom. dropped. Boom. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. This is a semi-sequel, but also a revamped version of the mobile game Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Duel. Plus. <laughs> wow, it was like very often my tongue. Five minutes ago, they were talking about Microsoft. Sorry. Uh, Link Duel. Link Duel. Or Duel Links. That's what it was. Sure. A Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, which was a mobile game version of Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, but this is intended... So, but that's been going on for five years. And this is intended to supersede that uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Is Master in this name to capitalize on Pokemon Masters? It definitely <laughs> is. Just thinking about that. So what is this? Is this a uh, mobile version of the card game? Uh, like a digitized version? Kind of like your, your Magic equivalent or your Pokemon equivalent? It or is, is there like a story going on here? Uh, there is some story giving you some backstory about the cards and the his kind of like their um, their history of how different 
versions of the game were played and like the lore behind the cards. Okay. Do you play these on motorcycles at any time? No. There's no card games on motorcycles. I suggest you don't play this on a motorcycle. No, no card games on motorcycles? Yes. Okay. Well, I think you can either because <laughs> the mobile version of Master Duel isn't mm-hmm. released yet. Oh, what is this on? This is on everything else. Okay, so this is a PC and console? This is a PC, uh, PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch release. Nice. Uh, the mobile version will be coming later, but similar to how, well, Fortnite does it. Right. Where you can cross-play with, cross-play. Every, cross-play with Chris, everybody, and also take on the go with mobile. You go Master Duel allows you to play anywhere across the world, play on your computer, play on your console, play on your mobile. Okay. Dot, 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 eventually. The mobile <laughs> version is not released yet. Sure. But when it does, you will but be. But when it does, you can link everything, and you can constantly play Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, there is a big caveat, because this was kind of rush-released. It feels like it was rush-released. Um, there's two things that are not currently happening. One is events. There's no current events going on, where you can gain more cards. And two, their actual ranked dueling isn't in process yet because it's all new players and no one's currently like <laughs> ranked yet. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's no leaderboard that you can like see and okay. duel against. Does this uh does this act as a really good replacement for people who wish they could play the real game but because of how scarce cards are right now cannot? Yes, it also acts as a good way of people who maybe once played the game or mm-hmm. played games growing 20 up. years ago yeah. growing up. Like one of the beginning screens is did you ever play this game? <laughs> where, where did you leave off at? Oh, that's smart. Can, yeah, that's smart. Like, here. I wish let, they would do that with the Pokemon ones. Like, here. <laughs> you left off here? We'll catch you up with all the new, that's cool. like, uh, different kind of summonings. Uh, linked summoning, synchro summoning, uh, ritual summoning decks, and everything. Yeah. That's cool. That's a cool yeah. idea. Yeah. It's a way to, to bridge everything together. It starts off slow. Um... But it is microtransaction heavy. I am sure. A lot of the cards, and not the, specifically the heart of the cards, but a lot of the <laughs> cards um, are by poles. Okay. Um, what does that mean? Microtransaction. Yeah, pull for it. Oh, pulls. I was like, poles? By poles? By poles. Poles. There, yes, you have to. Yes. Gotcha games. Gotcha it. Yep. I mean,. It's the style of the time, so I get it. It is. <laughs> so that's how you get new, like all the new cards, and then like sure. special cards and events. Like, oh, like you can break down a bunch of copies that you have to get coins to, yeah, or it's gems. They use gems uh, to like open up new cards, and you can mm-hmm. craft cards that way too. Okay. So if you're like have been in the game and you know what cards you want, you can. One of the best things about it is search its Rolodex of all the cards that Yu-Gi-Oh! has. Nice. Of, like, the past 20 years, because they only came out with new cards, and it's hard to keep track. Well, yeah. if you have remembrance of certain card names, you can look it up. You can also yeah. search by um, uh, effects. So and if I want attacks. Blue Eyes White Dragon... You can search I can find it. Blue Eyes, yeah. and not just Blue Eyes White Dragon will come up, but all <laughs> versions of Blue Eyes since sure. will come up as well. Sure. It's... Literally all I know about you yeah, is that they were on motorcycles at some point, that, that there's a blue eyes white dragon, yes. and the, there's a heart in the cards. Yes. <laughs> the three things I know about you, you know. Oh, and there's something called five Ds, which always made me laugh. That's the motorcycle. That's the motorcycle one? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Anyways. Anyways, it's, it's a 
fun version of that. It's, it's a good way to get people back into Yu-Gi-Oh! And it's a good way to bridge that kind of 20-year sure. generational gap. That's smart. That's a very smart thing. And the fact that you, I mean, one thing I like about this is that that card database. You can just search for anything and it'll mm-hmm. immediately pop up. That's cool. There, there's not Great. leaving a lot of cards out. Yeah. Which is both good because you can have like, oh, like I only remember playing like with just effect monsters <laughs> and like, I just want to deal with that kind of deck. Sure. Or you can deal with like others as well that's cool and it the actual deck customization tool helps you in that as well this makes me think of uh remember that they at some point last year announced a new pokemon uh mobile uh card game and i don't remember if that's actually still coming out or if they're working on that or because i feel like this is just talking about this makes me get a little itch to play something like this and so i'm like oh maybe i should i mean i don't know the first thing about Yu-Gi-Oh, so i don't know if it's this one is the one for me but about it again thinking about it we'll see um because it is also a gotcha game it does do Mm -hmm. the season pass okay makes sense um but you can actually earn the gems by playing the games to get the season pass that's good so it's not have to you're not forced to pay no you're not forced to pay and this first season pass goes for 80 days okay so you gain more of those like uh specific gems for it by playing the games by playing the The solo adventure too. Okay. The solo adventure is great because it gives you loaner decks of the different That's good. versions and styles of playing. So you can play through the deck and like, oh, I like this deck. Yeah. I like this deck now because it works well for me and my kind of style of play. That's cool. Where I just want all the effects going on at the same time. <laughs> or I like something big monsters really quickly or something. Sure. Okay. So cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I'll check back in later as I play more about this, but it's... Mm-hmm. It's a good way of getting back into Yu-Gi-Oh. Cool. I don't know how much I want to stay in there, though. Right, yeah. This is something that I feel like a lot of people will burn out on very quickly, but it'll be fun. Uh, from the me. videos I was watching of people who are engulfed in that Yu-Gi-Oh uh, universe, they seem to really like this. That's good. That's good. So that's a good make it for the fans, and yeah. You've, yeah. you've uh, done what you needed to do. Right. You got anything? Uh, video games? Uh, no. Um... Yeah, just kind of where I've been at for a while. So, uh, but yeah, we'll talk about Arceus next week, though. So, I have been playing Death Stranding, but I'm only done like <laughs> Mission Two. So, <laughs> it's a, it's a, there's a lot of cutscenes in that game. Oh yeah, it's mostly cutscene. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Anyways. speaking of mostly cutscene, it's time to move into television, and we always start television with the sports corner. Linking behind us, we start with sports with, of course, the hottest sport right now, which is the NFL football playoffs continue. The Bengals. Hey, Cincinnati. They have finally won a playoff game. Yes. For the first time in decades. Yes. Um, literal decades because yes. the last time the Bengals won a playoff game was before texting. <laughs> wow, that's kind of sad. You think 19, about it. So the first text was sent in like 1992. Mm-hmm. The Bengals haven't won since 1991. Oh, jeez. So no, So this year was the first time anyone's ever sent a text saying Bengals win a playoff game. That's so funny. It's hilarious to think about. Also hilarious to think about, Joe Burrow wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> so your upcoming matchups here. Yep, you got the number one seeded Titans yes. against said Bengals. Right. And the number two seeded Chiefs against the Bills. Um, that's in your AFC. In your NFC, we have the number one seeded Packers. Mm-hmm. Against the 40 Minis. And the number two seeded 
Buccaneers against the Rams. Yes, your hometown heroes have all uh, almost made it here. Yep. We can see if they can hold on going into the next round here. Uh, but yeah, exciting times. Yep. Uh, so if you're a fan of any of those teams, get ready. Yep. Uh, but this also means we have to say goodbye to Bill Belichick. Yes. Um, ben Roethlisberger. Yes. The head coachless Raiders. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but the, the, the Brady ter- is still in play. Yes. Brady is still in play. The, the, the always terrible Eagles. Right. The at one point undefeated seven zero Cardinals. Yeah, so much for that. And America's favorite teams that you either that half the country loves to see win, and the other seventy five (laughs) percent love to see lose. (laughs) Dallas Cowgirls. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's something for everybody. (laughs) Eight teams left. Super Bowl is in three weeks. Yeah. Um, so we'll get ready. I mean, this time, no, in two weeks we'll know who's in the Super Bowl. In two weeks we will know. So get yeah. excited for that. Um, meanwhile, in Major League Baseball, negotiations still are happening uh, for whether there will be a season proper. The but... uh, MLBPA is set to um, give a counter yes. offer uh, this coming Monday. Yes, finger crossed that they accept it. Um, and, uh, but in the meantime, they're starting to experiment with ideas about how to bring their new technology into the minor leagues. Hey, remember the automated strike zone, the robot umps? That was an experiment that yes. went on in, like, double A. Well, now they're going to bring it to triple A. Um, closer and closer to the major leagues here. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see more experiments, more data, more hard data to see whether it's a worthwhile addition to the sport. I welcome this. I want to see like it in play, so that way you can make, so the league can ultimately make a decision. Because if we never try it, if it's just theoretical, we like then we'll never know. This isn't across all AAA. I think only a quarter of the teams are going to be using it. Right. But still, it's, it's interesting. Interesting. I, yeah. I, and this is yeah. as close as they're going to get to majors without being actually in the majors. Right. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how accurate these can be and how much of a replacement it is for an actual person's eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, it's kind of built into the DNA of the game right now that different umps will have different strike zones. Yes. You almost have to remember, oh, this is the guy who always calls high pitches in. This is the guy who always goes inside, has really flexible inside. Mm-hmm. Like there's, You have to almost learn that, even in the show. Sometimes I'll be like, oh shit, this guy, this guy is the one who always catches my outside corner. Oh, this damn up. <laughs> yeah, like I always remember. And sometimes they'll that's even written into the announcers. Like they'll even make a comment about like, this guy, yeah, he's known for having a little bit of trouble seeing that left-hand side. I'm like, okay, good to know, remember. I will make a note of that. I can be a little flexible uh, doing my outside pitches. So yeah, it's almost into the DNA of the game at this point, so it will be really interesting if... This throws a little wrench into that. If players have to now keep in mind, a robot is watching my pitch. Well, a robot's watch. A robot is always watching the pitch. But now it's making the call. That is the. That's issue. the key. Yes. Is that now they're like, well, I can't fudge it as much as I used to be able to. Mm-hmm. I can't basically play against the ump. Like try to like lower his field of vision as well as the batter's field of vi- field of vision by playing around with that edge. So 
It'll make the game interesting, and I'm interested to see what the data show says. Here's what I'd like to see, though. Okay. I don't think you can implement it into like a major league. I think it's yeah. too much of a um, <sighs> in- inherent. The purists but, will yes. The yes. Purists but will what you do is you keep it in AAA uh-huh. and you base the on it. umpire's decisions uh-huh. against the automated. Right. And so the better umpire does, the better chance they are to go to mm. the majors. So you're almost weeding out bad umps at that point. That's how you weed out the bad umpires. That might help a little bit. I actually don't know how that works if umps do start in the minors as well. I mean, I think they should. I mean, that would make sense. Why? Yes. Like, but, but, also, but also, they're not paid, I don't think, nearly as much as the players are. So no. I don't know how that works. No, but if you're doing a good job in there, yeah. and you're you calling them as you see them, you can graduate to the major yeah. league. I don't know. Maybe that if that's how that works, which I'm not sure if it is, uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. You're right. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Hey, the Winter Olympics are right around the corner, believe it or not. Believe it or not, they're still happening. They are still happening somehow. Um, and uh, one of the fun things we like to do here in the Media Vote Podcast is the Jamaican bobsled team watch. We want to see if every Winter Olympics, if the cool runnings will be real. Yes. Well, guess what? It might be real. The Jamaican bobsled team has qualified for the 2022 Winter Olympics. Yes. Uh, they... Uh, the women's bobsled team, quali- or two two men bobsled team, qualified for the twenty eighteen Olympics right. last time they came around. Yes, so yeah, cool. Well, Jamaican bobsled. Yes, cool runnings in the, real life. Time to watch cool runnings. The again. always fun nostalgia from our childhood. Yes, of cool runnings. Cool runnings. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, our, we will be watching uh, the bobsled team. Uh, yes, from Jamaica. I've been watching some trials. They did speed skating the other night on the Olympic Channel. Nice. They go fast. Thanks to Peacock, I'll probably watch more Olympics this time than yes. I did in the summer. So, also, uh, I'm no longer kept out of my living room, so I will definitely watch <laughs> a lot more Olympics than I did in the summer. Yes. All right, and then the last story you have here is that ESPN will not be sending reporters at all to cover the Winter Olympics. No, they will not. They are one of several uh, sports organizations around mm-hmm. the world who will not be sending reporters yes. to China in protest of not just China's government, but their treatment of right the current genocide going yeah, on yeah. in to their borders right um of course the exception here is nbc and of course they will always be the exception because they're the ones who pour millions upon millions of dollars every time the olympics come come to town to cover them yes and they're the ones that get screwed over if they get canceled or if some stuff changes so they're going to be there still yep but on the flip side uh the ap Associated Press, we'll be sending 100 reporters to cover the Olympics, so, so we will still get the coverage. This yeah, is, you will see coverage. Still news, yeah. but ESPN themselves will not be sending reporters over, but this also does mean that any coverage coming from ESPN will be delayed until after it is aired on NBC. Right, right. So, if you're in the States just watching NBC's coverage, it'll probably, it'll be like, you know, schmaltzy like it always is, and mm-hmm. take way too long to get to the point, but... That's where you're going to get the, the news of it. And like I said, with Peacock, uh, it'll hopefully be easier to see streaming events than hopefully ever. Hopefully they'll be live. Hopefully yeah. they'll have live streams going on. They have the technology to do so. I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably going to be the best place. Also, in big, big month for NBC. NBC also the place to watch the Super Bowl uh, yes. in February. So big month uh, for Peacock. I'm crossing my fingers that the Peacock stream of the Super Bowl will be higher quality. And we'll have all the ads. <laughs> I'm worried that it won't have all the, we'll ads, have the ads. So I'm like, ah oh, man, this especially, balancing act. Especially if you're paying, if you're paying for the, the no ad tier. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, now I'm like really questioning like 
it, when it comes to choosing where I watch it, which one I watch it. Well, I know I that want to switch between the game and the ads. So if somehow <laughs> the Bills make it to the Super Bowl, there's actually a wing bar up the street from where we are that is specifically for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> that would be really funny. It would be funny. I, but they got to make it there first. Yeah, make it there first. Uh, so yeah, a lot of questions about that. But yeah, for the Winter Olympics, I think that hopefully Peacock will allow a lot more flexibility than ever before. All right, let's get into some news. Yes, let's get into news. Our first story is a little bit about some... Um, it's quite out there, isn't it? Yeah, some, uh, <laughs> some space story. In fact, Space Entertainment Enterprise... <laughs> See what C- they did there? C-S-E-E is a company co-producing... Tom, I almost called them Tom Cruise. Tom, no, that's a band. Yes, I know. I know they are. Tom Cruise's upcoming space movie makes sense and plans to launch a sports arena and production studio in zero gravity. They have unveiled plans to build a space station module that contains a sports and entertainment ar- arena as well as a content studio by December 2024. The module is intended to host films, television, music, and sports events as well as artists, producers, and creatives who want to make content in low-orbit microgravity environments. Richard Johnston, CEO, COO of SEE, added, quote, from Jules Verne to Star Trek, science fiction entertainment that doesn't really encapsulate that much time, um, <laughs> has inspired millions of people around the world to dream about what the future might bring. Creating a next-generation entertainment venue in space inspires and opens countless doors to create incredible new content and makes these dreams reality. Dot, 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 editor's note, for the extremely rich. <laughs> this will not affect anyone who is not a billionaire. So, I don't know. It's interesting, I guess, in theory, to have a space entertainment arena. So what if I were to tell you it's already in process? Oh, I'd believe it, because rich people be weird. Well, so, also, so the International Space Station, <laughs> one of its wings is starting to build out uh-huh. part of this, and then eventually it will detach from the ISS yeah. and reattach to the and <laughs> become the space hub for this yeah. space entertainment enterprise. I mean, yes, theoretically, would it be interesting to see something made in space? Absolutely, it would be interesting. But this is this seems so frivolous. To me, this seems so oh, it definitely useless. <laughs> like, like I don't know. I just don't get it. Like, for sure. it's when you can enact space law. <laughs> yeah, it's just like no law here. We can we can make movies about anything we want. God damn it! Tom Cruise can have his weird Scientology experiments up there in space. No one can hear you score a goal. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I hope this they like introduce some sort of space basketball <laughs> up there. Like it's like yeah, slam ball. Moonshots. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, yeah, space baseball, space ball, if you Baseball. will. <laughs> um, no, I just want to see slam ball too, where it's just like gravity is just not an issue, so they can play slam ball the way it was intended. No, you don't need the um, the um, uh, trampolines anymore. You can just play that, it. With, that's spike ball. I thought it was slam ball. No, it's spike ball. I got it in my garage. Spike ball? Okay, (laughs) whatever. Anyways, disc golf. Like, you've never seen disc golf before. I don't know. This is weird and theoretical, (laughs) and I don't know if anybody will actually use this. Uh, It's also (laughs) microgravity. Sure, yes. Whatever the hell that means. Means they're still... A little bit? It's one of those things where you're not technically in space, but you're just on the reach notch where you still have gravity. Uh, Yeah, whatever. Anyways. Whatever. Anyways, let's move to a way more exciting story. Yes. Uh, Yes, animated. 
story. Hey, are you fans of Greg Daniels and Mike Judge? You mean the King of the Hill guys? Yeah, the same. Um, they have formed a new studio called Bandera Entertainment. It's an animation studio that they will be the heads of. It is meant to serve as a boundary-pushing studio focusing on different tones and different styles and with the goal to expand the, uh, the animation art form. Quote, mostly what Bandera is doing is trying to get us in more of a supervisory role. That's what we've been really concentrating on, using our taste and the people we've worked with, trying to help other people achieve their visions that we think are cool, says Daniels. Judge says, quote, there's one show I might be a co-creator of, but the rest, it's mentoring other people and getting people together and being a studio in that regard. So, as part of this deal, they have announced a reboot of sorts of King of the Hill. Yes. And also a bunch of original shows uh, with some other creative partners that they've worked with in the past and brand new voices. Yep. Uh, one of them's uh, by Nicole Byer. Yes. Another one by Ken Jong. Right. Um, and several others that are in various stages of development. I think this is awesome. Yes. I trust uh, Greg Daniels and Mike Judge as eyes of quality. Mm -hmm. I, I like the idea of them using their power to uh, forefront other voices, not just their own. This is potentially really, really cool. And it's a good time to do something like this. There needs to be a company of this size and... Um, and, and stature yeah. uh, to combat the dominance of other studios like um, the, the like Bento Box and like the stuff that like mm -hmm. the Fox stuff. Like to have other players in the space is just healthy, and it means that other networks can kind of bid on their properties and actually have competing shows in that universe. Right. And because they're in a mentor role, this is mm -hmm. more of what we've been seeing in the past couple of years, right. where um, not just executives but actors forming these studios to have voices being heard that right. normally wouldn't be heard because they have their name behind and it. Putting people respect yeah. them. You're creating platforms to put um, underutilized or unheard voices is always a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I commend what they're doing here. And uh, and also, also, it's cool to see more King of the Hill. Yes. Uh, it makes sense uh, for that to come back. This is the time to do that. So, absolutely, great news all around. I'm very excited to see what this says. Yep. Uh, this is actually one of the reasons why when King of the Hill was first created, mm -hmm. that they wanted it to be animated, not live action, right. because they could bring it back whenever they want. The characters <laughs> don't age. Yes. It, it helps a lot. It helps it become a timeless classic. Yeah. So very, very cool. Yes. Exciting news. Let's move on out of television news. Now we've wrapped that up with a few thoughts. Uh, so some repeats, a one debut. Uh, one, Let's get the repeats out of the way. So you watched a season two and a season three of something. Yes, um, last week I mentioned that Secrets of Sulphur Springs yes. were coming back. That's Disney Plus. Uh, that's a Disney Channel. Disney but Channel, but also, yes. Uh, was coming back for season two, and I watched it, and it's still good. Right. The acting in that is still really good, even though it's dealing with a bunch of kids. Right. Um, not a whole lot of actual time traveling back and forth this time, but it does do a lot of time hopping between... What's going on in present day versus 30 years ago versus 60 years ago. Uh -huh. um, it does a lot of that. It does a lot of that really well because one of the characters is trapped in time. So, because they look very similar, they're actually playing two roles at the same time. Okay. One in the past and one in the future. The future's in the past, the past in the future. <laughs> and so it shows acting range for these kids. Sure, yeah. And it's a really good way of doing that. Okay. It's one of those good shows where... 
the writing can at times get a little bit wonky because <laughs> you're trying to keep in line uh, several different storylines from several different timelines. But at the same time, it allows these kids to show off that acting range. Mm-hmm. It's one of those good ones of doing it. Cool. Um, they, I kind of would have liked it to end after season two, uh, but they do leave the door open for a season three, kind of the same way that uh, the Lock and Key show on Netflix did, where it definitely could have ended after season two, mm-hmm. but they're leaving this weird wonky way of keeping a season three open and available. Sure. So I think we might see a season three. It definitely leaves the door open for it. I don't know if I actually want to see more of it. Because mm-hmm. I feel like they wrapped everything up so nicely at the end of season two that to have a season three just feels like extra filler. Of, we just want to keep telling more stories because Disney keeps paying us. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad it's uh, keeping up with the quality. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's, it's the good live action version of this. Sure. Um, side note, I've caught up with Amphibia cool. on good, Disney good. Plus. Season those, 3, yeah. Those season 3, those 8 episodes. Yeah. I like that they actually made the Christmas episode matter. <laughs> yeah, they're really, really, really going into the, the ensemble angle of the season. They're yes. really like bringing in all a community of new characters yes. into the show. You know what? And, and, but there were definitely moments while I was watching it. I was like, is this a lot? Like, it seems like a lot. But by the most recent episodes, the last couple, I was like, alright, they're settling into an interesting mm-hmm. plot here. I will bear with them constantly introducing new characters. <laughs> but it was a little overwhelming there in the middle of that season for a second. I was like, geez, every episode, there's something new. All right, so, so speaking of introducing new characters and overwhelming <laughs> everything, Sexless mm-hmm. Island has returned. Oh, yeah, a media book favorite, Sexless Island. Yes. AKA Too Hot to Handle. Yes, Too Hot to Handle. Season three yes. is back. Uh, and they're hotter than ever. Are they? Well, they are because they actually <laughs> increased the the prize pool from okay. one hundred thousand to two hundred thousand this season. That's a lot. But they still cannot have sex. Oh yes, but they so want to have sex. <laughs> they so want to touch each other and kiss each other and dry hump each other and wake off. But wake they can't. Up, wake up. Wake up. But they, they can't. can't. No, because Lana's there watching everything. The, <laughs> the code shaped Lana's watching everybody. Yeah, and it's hilarious to watch these. Hot horn dogs of people <laughs> can't do anything. I know. So I went to the Wiener Schnitzel a couple days ago and got myself a hot horn dog. It was delicious. <laughs> oh, did you get the two for one? Oh, yeah. You can't not. Too good of a deal. Oh, it's too good of a deal, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, too hot to handle. <laughs> um, it's hilarious. Especially I mean, what is there to say? You just friend. explained the premise. It's season three of that. Yeah, season three of that. If you haven't yeah. seen one and two, it's hilarious. It's the, the trash TV that I love to watch because <laughs> they literally break all the rules. They have to. Yeah. One, to make the show work, but two, <laughs> they literally can't control themselves, which is why they're here. To teach them <laughs> to control themselves and to sure. love people for well, their Theoretically. Yeah. If we learn anything about the lady who was on the first season and then was <laughs> on um, uh, The Circle after that, yes. she didn't learn nothing, so... Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. No, but it's meant to serve as a retreat to find yeah. self-love within yourself and within people, not just sure. have physical connections. Sure. And I mean, I like that, too, part about it. Um, they bring back the Yoni, which I, I loved. <laughs> Talking about the Yoni. Of course. Um, it was a fan favorite. Uh, <laughs> but it, it also like gives you pseudo-perspective of how to do self-love. Sure. You don't have to be to this retreat to yeah. take the lessons from Too Hot to Handle. Sure. 
the same time, they cannot stop touching each oh, other. Of course. Oh, they just keep flinging each other and all the skimpy bikinis everywhere. <laughs> the horniness is real. The horniness is real. The abs are everywhere. All that ass <laughs> hanging out is not a suggestion. It is a, uh, a commandment that they live by. Yeah, any any three-letter word that starts with A and ends with S, they got you. Yep. Anyway. Anyways. It's there on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, they didn't do the thing where they split it up. It's just all there, ready to binge, all ten episodes. But you watched something. Oh, did I? All right. So meanwhile, while this is happening on the other ser- streaming services, uh, uh, Hulu is here with the Nostalgia Play, just like we were talking about with uh, Nostalgia, music nostalgia for the 2000s. There's TV nostalgia for the 2000s as well, specifically the late 2000s, early 2010s, with classic How I Met Your Mother. Well, Hulu is trying to capitalize on this by trying again to resurrect the dead corpse of that show into a new form, this time with Hilary Duff in How I Met Your Father. Wait, is there no Kristen Maloney? No, that was a different show. That was a different How I Met Your Father. So, How I Met Your Father, yes, is the second attempt at this. There was a buried pilot that was never actually made for a How I Met Your Dad show mm-hmm. that never never, uh, never uh, aired. It never saw the light of day. This, saw executive eyes. this one actually succeeded on getting off the ground and is currently available on Hulu. But it sucks so much. Now, this was Hillary Duff's pivot from doing the Lizzie McGuire reboot. Yeah, she didn't get that, so she signed on to this. Uh, maybe in the response, but also just because it seemed like a lucrative deal. It has the original creators, Carter Bays and something Thomas. I forget what the, the, the other guy's name is. Craig Thomas? Yeah. I don't remember. Anyways, they're producers on this. They're not show running it. Um, there's a new set of writers on it. It's basic, But the premise is similar to the original show's premise. It even takes place in the same world, essentially, just years later. New character, Hilary Duff, um, is shown in the future, in 2050, talking to their child about how they met their spouse, their, their the father in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes place in flashback, just like the original series does. It takes place in the same city, still in New York, a lot of the same locations are used, including recognizable bars, recognizable apartments even, that existed in the universe of the original show. Mm-hmm. But there's one crucial thing that the show is missing. Funny jokes. <laughs> so now, I to be fair, did the original have funny jokes? So yeah, having fairly recently rewatched the pilot to How We Met Your Mother... Mm-hmm. It also is kind of an awkward pilot that doesn't do a very good job of showing where it's going to go. But at least the characters were interesting enough to keep you going. The best description I have for this show was off of a comment on a message board that I was reading where they were like, oh, so this is this, this according to this trailer, this show is about Hillary Duff hanging out with a bunch of people who are on Shutterstock photos. <laughs> it really feels like that. There's nobody else recognizable here. All the characters blend together. No one is memorable. Hillary Duff's character is even kind of awkward and weird and not really likable in this pilot. The whole thing feels like a pale imitation of the original series in almost every single way. So question, is Hillary Duff the narrator but also starring in it? So they do the same approach they did last time, which is her future version of Hillary Duff is played by a different actor. Okay. So just like how Bob Saget, R.I.P., was yes. the narrator of that show, this also has a different narrator, but is supposed to be the character you're following. Okay. The Hillary Duff character. 
So, like I said, premise-wise, they've tried to adhere as close as possible to the, the original series. From what I've heard, and I have not watched this far, but from what I've heard is that there is some sort of a twist on this format that does exist in the released episodes so far. I did not bother with it because I couldn't even finish the pilot. <laughs> I will not be continuing this, but from what I can tell is the feedback that a lot of fans of the original series have had is that this is not what they wanted, and this seems to be disappointing to a lot of people. Oh, no. Yeah. So, I don't know. Your mileage may vary on How I Met Your Father. It's on Hulu, uh, so give it a shot if you have a Hulu subscription and you have any nostalgia for that original show, but I feel like they're trying something that just does not work in any other way, like which they you'd think they would have learned the lesson the first time, but they did not. I mean, I'll give this a shot. Give it a shot. See what you think. I'll give it a shot. I just didn't think it was just that. It, it wasn't funny. It might be the same thing with yeah. Animaniacs, where the, uh -huh. the, one, it's on Hulu, but two, the comedy itself isn't, like, meshing anymore with me. I just think that it's, the lightning in a bottle is real. Sometimes a thing works because of time and place. And when you try the exact same thing later, even by changing certain things about it, you just can't recapture that magic. And I think this is another example of that. Yep. Anyway. Do you watch anything else? Uh, I'm also watching a PBS show uh, with Christy. It's one of her favorites in the Masterpiece Collection, formerly Masterpiece Theater. Yes. Based on a series of British novels, uh, All Creatures Great and Small. The second season of that started. Basically, it follows a 1930s event in, in, uh, in the UK. Okay. It's exactly what you think it is. But it's cute. Is it that 1930s event? No, vet. Oh, vet. Like veterinarian. Oh, vet. Like, works on farm animals, a lot of cows. I think it's been 1930s. No. <laughs> 1930s vet, veterinarian. Okay. Uh, it's cute, but it, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Mm. <laughs> cup of tea. British. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so let's move on. Yeah. Two. Uh, also watching um, yes. uh, The Amazing Race uh, because they just got to the other side of. Where they had to stop from 2020, <laughs> right. taking place again in 2021, a year <laughs> later. Uh, the big thing is that they no longer take public transportation. Oh. Because you can't anymore, right. which means a lot more driving and a lot of everyone's going to be on the same plane being right. chartered everywhere. Right, right. So it's because, complicated. Yeah. Um, not to be surprised if there's an eventual documentary about this specific season. Right. Because of all the challenges they had to go through. In addition to the normal challenges they go through to try and get people through the Amazing Race. Right. Okay. Well, Amazing Race. Yep. Uh, let's move on to cancellations and renewals. What am I no longer watching? Well, turns out a lot because the cancellation axe has fallen for a lot of shows right now. Mm -hmm. Winter replacements are on uh, watch right yes. now. I'm just going to go through the cancellations first and then we can talk about the renewals because yes. I've always wanted to do it that way. That's not how you have it organized. I, I organize the <laughs> date. Well, but you don't put the date, so what's the point? Anyways, all that's with cancellation. So first up, NBC has canceled Small Fortune after just a season. ABC has canceled Pooch Perfect after just one season. That was a dog grooming one. I do remember that. ABC has canceled the newest version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire after, I guess, lackluster ratings. Uh, that might have been the celebrity version. Ah, uh, that makes sense. MTV has canceled The Hills, colon, New Beginnings after two seasons. Guess no longer beginning. Um, NBC has canceled Ellen's Game of Games, finally, after four seasons of being a trusty replacement. 
Netflix has canceled Cooking with Paris after just one season. So much for that. Yep. Meanwhile, in the world of renewals, Netflix, of course, is bringing back Squid Game because they had to for a second season. Officially confirmed. Yes. Nothing beyond that, but officially confirmed that season two will be happening. The CW has renewed a lot of their shows, including Masters of Illusion for another season, Penn & Teller Fool Us for another season, and World's Funniest Animals for another season. Cheap programming. Yeah. Netflix is also bringing back Rebelled for a second season. Um, meanwhile, oh, I missed a cancellation here. CBS has canceled Bull after six seasons. I didn't realize it lasted that long. Uh, neither have I, but congratulations. Yeah, and then Paramount Plus uh, bringing back some of their shows. All Star Treks are coming back. Star Trek Discovery will get a, fourth, a fifth season. Star Trek Lower Decks will get a fourth season. And Star Trek Strange New Worlds will get a second season. That's a second season ahead of its yes. premiere. So look forward to more and more Star Trek. But then, of course, a couple of deaths happened in the last couple days. Uh, some rough ones, especially if you're fans of people who were big in the 80s. Meatloaf. Yes, that Meatloaf, age 74. Uh, passed away this week, of course, known for his songs, including Paradise by the Dashboard Light and I'd Do Anything for Love, uh, parentheses, but I won't do that. And, of course, a prolific actor, uh, most notably in Rocky Horror Picture Show and a memorable role in Fight Club. His name was Robert Paulson. Yes. Not that Robert Paulson. Different. No. But yes. No, not, not, not the voice actor Robert <laughs> right. Paulson. Right. <laughs> Different Robert Paulson. But yeah, Meatloaf uh, definitely will be remembered. Um, then also... Uh, sad one this week. Louis Anderson, age 68, American comedian and actor, famous for Life with Louis and Baskets, most recently. And of course, a game show host, hosted Family Feud for a while in yeah. between uh, eras there. Yeah, before Steve Harvey, it was him. Before uh, Richard Carn, it was him. Yes. And then uh, won Emmy back in 2016 uh, for his role in Baskets. Yep. So, yeah, definitely a storied career uh, from Louis. Definitely one of those where, like, every time he would pop up, it'd be like, oh, yeah. Anderson, like, so, so yeah, definitely a couple. Surprisingly, Anderson every now and then. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's it for cancellations and renewals and deaths. So that means we can move on to our last segment today, which is the movies segment. We start as always with the box office of the weekend. Your number one movie is finally not Spider Man dethroning the webbed uh, webbed hero this week is the Scream reboot which made $30 million in its first week. Yes, there is a new Scream Queen Yeah, atop the box office. Yeah, so, yeah. Number two is Spider-Man No Way Home, dropping down to number two with another $20 million. That's sitting pretty, though, with $698 million domestic. $700 million next week. Yeah. $700, 700 million. million. Number three, Sing 2, with another $7 million. That's at one nineteen. Number four, the three fifty-five with another two point two million. That's at eight point three domestic. And rounding out your top five, the King's Man showing some legs there with two point two million dollars, sitting at twenty-eight million. Yeah, um, pretty good. Yeah, no, not bad. Again, uh, Matrix Resurrections did not have Robin. legs. Upcoming this week, your big release uh, uh, this past week was the King's Daughter, which we talked about last week. Yep. But then a um, little interesting one coming out next week. I didn't realize this was getting theatrical release. Um, on the 28th, Charlie XCX's film uh, about her um, recording of her um, pandemic record in 2020, Alone Together, uh, is coming out. So I, yeah, I don't know if this is getting a 
streaming rooms? I think it is. I think it's streaming, but it's also HBO the HBO Max. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I think it's Amazon. Is it Amazon? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, if uh, this is available to me, I definitely want to check this out. I I, I really enjoyed her record. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I look forward to that this week. Then we move into movie news. Our first story takes us again to the UK for something else uh, charming and British. As Ardman, famous uh, stop-motion uh, company Ardman, responsible for the Wallace and Gromit uh, series of films, well, they're getting finally making a sequel to the highest-grossing stop-motion film of all time, Chicken Run, with a Netflix sequel called Chicken Run colon Dawn of the Nugget. It is a direct sequel to the 2000 original. The cast will include Tandy Newton as Ginger and Zachary Levi replacing uh, Mel Gibson in the role of Rocky. Because I don't think you want Mel Gibson no, in your you film do in not. 2022. No, you do not. With a 2023 release date on Netflix. But it's not the only franchise they're reviving. A new Wallace and Gromit film is also set for a 2024 release date, which, of course, is a sequel to the 2008 BAFTA Award and Academy Award winning film A Matter of Yes, um, A Matter of Loaf and Death. Uh, the film will err on the BBC in the UK and on Netflix in the rest of the world. So look forward to both of those. I definitely am. I think a lot of people our age are... Oh, yeah. I've been expecting a single chicken winner are finally getting it. Oh, yeah, it's been way too long oh, since yeah. Chicken 20, Run. But that comes out, it'll be 23 years. Chicken Run was our first DVD. Yay! Uh, we got it uh, with the DVD player. And I it. remember going to KFC to get chicken <laughs> and eat it, watching chicken run. <laughs> Ooh, mm-hmm. That's dark. Yes. Not like that. <laughs> At least it wasn't chicken pot pie. That hit a little too no, close to home. Yeah. Remember my dad thought it would be funny if we <laughs> ate chicken while watching chicken run. You know what? For the first time, I'm going to say this for the first time, your dad is right. But it is it, funny. It does sound like something my dad would do. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Our second movie story involves Bong Joon-ho, which, of course... The director of Parasite. director of uh, Best Picture winner Parasite. Well, he's found his next film. He will write and direct an untitled sci-fi movie for Warner Brothers with Robert Pattinson in talks to star. The project will be based on Nikki Seven, a forthcoming novel from author Edward Ashton, which is described as The Martian Meets Dark Matter. It centers on Mickey Seven, a man on an expedition to colonize the ice world Nilfheim. This expendable employee takes jobs too risky for anyone else, and when he dies, he regenerates as a clone with most of its memories intact. When Mickey Seven is presumed dead, he returns to the mission's base only to see that a new clone, Mickey Eight, has taken his place. The book will be published in the first quarter of this year, and the film will... Uh, be released sometime after that. Yep, there's already film rights for this book, and it's yet to be released. Happens a lot. Yes, but if this premise sounds familiar, yes, that's because Arnold Schwarzenegger did it <laughs> in the '90s. It was called The Sixth Day. Yeah, but nobody it, remembers that. But I just brought it up yeah. for all of you to remember. Also, in an era where video games are kind of treading a lot of this similar ground yes. with run-based games like Returnal. Yes. Uh, it's an interesting take, and I want to see what uh, uh, what Bong Joon Ho does in a post parasite career. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that this is cool. I expect it to look good, and I expect it to. Yeah. Well, it's a sci fi, so I don't know if it'll be like Oscar Beatty. I don't but... know if you're going to have anybody change that paradigm. It's him. Yes. Um, and again, it follows in the footsteps of Korean uh, culture getting a big bump in the last few years yeah. here. Um, I hope I hope it does. I hope it does well. And Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Um, also, uh, with his The Batman coming in March. Yes. Um, 
reviving his career. Getting further and further away from the Twilight franchise. Though. I mean, hey, I don't blame him. Yes. All right, that does it for movie news. I didn't watch anything. So. I did not either. All right, uh, so let's wrap it up then. So I guess that'll do it. do it. Thank you for joining us this week on the Media Boat Podcast. We will be back next week for another proper episode of the show. Just as always, you can find us on YouTube if you want to see the video version of our show. Go to YouTube and search Media Boat Podcast to find our page. Like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications of when we go live. If you want to do it old school and listen to us in audio form, you can do so on any podcast streaming service of your choice. Search Media Boat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, or Podcasts, I think is what that service is mm-hmm. called, Amazon, Google Play, iHeartRadio, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just type us in and you can find our show. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, feedback, anything, if you want your email written or read, um, just like an email was read at the beginning of this show, you can do so by emailing us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. Please, we welcome any feedback, so please send us an email and we'll read it next week. Yep, uh, we'll be back next week with more news, more thoughts, yes. and more of us as yes. we continue on this season, season six. Indeed. See you next time. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye.